I'm Kat Harris. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm an educator, brand strategist, and content creator. This podcast is designed to dig below the surface and to hold space for meaningful dialogue. It's a place where done is better than perfect, where quality triumphs quantity, and where the journey is the destination. So I invite you to leave your Superman cape of having it all together at the door because life is messy and beautifully imperfect. We all have a story to tell, and I want to hear yours. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. I am your host, Kat Harris, and I just want to thank you so much for tuning in today. And I cannot believe that we are almost two months into this podcast. And I have to tell you guys, this journey has been so fun and exciting and full of unknown and your response and your support. Guys, I can hardly even put into words how much it means to me. Um, This process has been so vulnerable and it's just been such a pleasure to do this. So thank you for tuning in. First and foremost, um, we wouldn't be doing this if it weren't for you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And next, we are doing something on the podcast that we haven't done yet. So are you guys ready to try something new? (laughs) Okay, so here's what we're doing. Today, we're featuring an episode of a podcast that I was interviewed on a few months ago. It's called The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. And here's why we're putting it on our podcast today. So over the last, I would say, six months, I have gotten literally thousands of emails from you guys on Facebook, on Instagram comments, on DMs. I have been emailed at every single email account I've ever created from you guys asking me questions about my decision to remain celibate until I'm married. Now, this is something that I've talked about on The Refined Woman over the years. If you're curious about that, you can go to therefinedwoman.com and there's a series called Sexless in the City. It's all about me being a single woman in New York City, dating and being a virgin. Yep, I said it. I'm a virgin. (laughs) They do exist. But anyways, a few months ago, I was interviewed on Jamie Ivey's podcast, and we talk about other things besides my sex life or sex less life. But the thing that has resonated with so many people and what I've gotten so many questions and feedback about is my dating and sex journey as a Christian woman in 2018. So we're going to actually start creating more episodes and content about this. So I would love your feedback on this episode. Feel free to email us info at the or DM us on Instagram. Our handle is at the refined woman. And for now to kick us off into this journey of talking more about dating and my views and worldview and theology on sex and sexuality, We're going to give you this episode with Jamie Ivey from the Happy Hour Live. So here we go. Hey, Kat, welcome to the Happy Hour. Hey, Jamie, how are you? I'm fabulous, and I'm super excited to have you on here because 
I was telling you before we started recording, and this mm-hmm. always feels awkward to say, but you know what I mean, is that when I read <laughs> what you wrote me and when I see you online, I think if mm-hmm. I lived in the same city as you, we would be friends. Well, that is just very encouraging because I feel the same way about you. <laughs> and I think the, you know, the internet and social media world is kind of weird, right? Cause like we put parts of ourselves out there mm-hmm. and you're like, I know that like Jamie is a complete stranger and I shouldn't know these like personal <laughs> details of her life, but I do. And now I just want to like know her heart. So I, know. I feel very similarly in social media um, for the win, for the win. Know. You ah. know what? Sometimes it is like totally a win and I'm like, it connects it makes the world smaller. And I just think we get to be like more intentional about our connections. Totally. So, totally. I love it. And you run a website called the refined woman, which is just beautiful. It is so beautiful. How long have you been doing that? Thank you. Um, I started the refined woman just about like five years ago, this January. Um, so it's definitely been a labor of love mm-hmm. and taken on many different forms and evolved over the last five years. Um, but it's, it's definitely one of those things If I can be frank, I never wanted to start a blog. I was like, Lord, the last thing this world needs is, <laughs> is another, another blog. blog. <laughs> and I am, I know you, you didn't ask me how I started it, but I'll go ahead and tell you. I would love to hear. But I was leaving New York fashion week about six years ago after shooting my 12th season of runway. And I felt like God put it on my heart to start an online platform for women to connect. And I was like, Nope, I'm not doing that. And then I just felt like he was like, there's an invitation for you here. And so begrudgingly, I started the refined woman with one of my girlfriends and what I started kind of dragging my feet, it has now become like my biggest passion. And I feel an area where God is really using my calling. And so I just feel so grateful that I Um, I get to do it and get to connect with women like you and share stories of hope and encouragement and process. And so I just, I love it. I get like giddy about it. (laughs) That's how I feel about my show. And it's really Mm. fun when you find this kind of groove and you think, I love this. And I was made for this. I want to read from your blog about Mm -hmm. the manifesto for the refined woman, because I want to be this woman. Okay, here we Mm -hmm. go. (laughs) She is clothed in dignity, authenticity, integrity, and grace. She believes in quality over quantity. She follows her instincts. She is brave and honest. She is a leader, a dreamer, a trailblazer, an achiever. She is a visual storyteller and relational to her core. She celebrates femininity and I messed up that word. Uh, (laughs) She celebrates femininity in all of its forms. She is a refined woman. Did you write that? Um, I, my team and I wrote it. I love Um, it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It was, um, it's just kind of been our prayer and the cry of our heart that um, I think the thing that I see a lot online and just in our culture right now with women is like, you can be all things to all people Mm -hmm. all the time. And I'm like girl power 1000%, but I feel like that's exhausting. So what does it look like to like have quality over quantity and say, sometimes, you know, done is better than perfect. Mm -hmm. And what if it is not about me arriving to some destination, but me being honest in my process. So I honestly think that manifesto started off as like one of my journal entries. And I was just like, Lord, this is what I want this to be. And then as a team, we kind of teased it out and, um, yeah, more so for us to be like, this is like who we are mm-hmm. and what we want to stand for. 
Well, it's so. beautiful. It's beautiful. Thank you. Now you mentioned while ago that you were shooting your 13th runway. <laughs> Explain yeah, that right. to me. <laughs> so um, it's funny because I feel like I have these two different worlds that I think some, I think, well, I don't know if a lot of people know that they're a fine woman. I think more people are knowing, but my day job is I'm a editorial and wedding photographer and I've been a full-time photographer for almost a decade and started my own. I worked for a really incredible photographer in LA for, um, years. I got my start from him and then started my own business. But my, my old boss shot runway in New York twice a year. And I just begged and begged and begged him to let me come with him. And I was just this girl from Texas that hardly knew how to turn on a camera. And for whatever reason, this guy gave me a chance and I was like, please just let me come to runway. I've never been to New York. And Finally, after a few seasons, he was like, you can come, but you got to pay your own way and you got to figure out how to shoot runway on your own. So my first, my first trip to New York city was when I was 25 and I was in the photographer's pit at a fashion show. And I was like, what is my life? How did I get here? Um, so did you love it? I, oh my gosh, it's funny because now like I hate fashion week. I'm like, get me away. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I'm just, I feel like I'm too old and too tired. I don't want to be working 19 hour days, but oh my gosh. Yeah. I was like, I'm this Texas girl sitting like in a photographer's pit with people that have shot runway for 30 years. I mean, it just felt so glamorous and sexy. And we were, we worked for a magazine that would wine and dine us in the city and we had car service. And so I was like, New York city really is like gossip girl. Yes, People get driven around and have chauffeurs. And the funny part is like, then I moved to New York and was like, Oh, like, where's my car service? Exactly. And you're like, get a cab. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, it's, um, I feel like God really used, used, um, the fashion industry industry and my experience with runway to kind of reawaken my heart for women in that industry, because I was, I was actually a fashion major in college. And then I was a really new Christian and I just got to a point where I was super burnt out. And I was like, why does fashion even matter? So long story, very condensed is I transferred schools, went to Dallas Baptist. I became a Bible major. I was like, I'm going to be the next Beth Moore. I'm going to graduate and be a speaker and write curriculum for the rest of my life. And then God had different plans for me. And I got into the nonprofit world and really was able to see that, all right, I can do ministry and life and missions and live intentionally. And it doesn't have to be necessarily with a Christian organization. Mm-hmm. And then through that, I stumbled upon this photographer and I, he gave me a chance to work with him and then introduced fashion industry. And it's kind of been this like weird full circle of like, I remember being on my first um, editorial shoot in New York that I was head shooter on. So this was maybe a couple seasons after my first time shooting runway. And it, I mean, girl, I have no idea why this company even hired me. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea how to use the lighting or the flashes. I was like researching on Google the <laughs> night before. Um, but I get on set that day and it was such a, it was a pretty transformative experience for me because I was a head shooter. I had my stylist, my team, my hair and makeup. And we had this crazy 10 hour day of shooting and 
right at the end of the day, the model came up to me while she was leaving and she just like, you know, this girl's been on covers of magazines and she's like beautiful, Mm -hmm. has a perfect body, everything. And she came up to me like quietly and gave me a hug with like little tears in her eyes and says, thank you so much for asking me my name today. No other photographer has ever asked me that. And I just was like, you're welcome. I got to go. <laughs> I can't oh really my talk gosh. But I just felt like in that moment, God was like, you mm. like, this is your, this is your ministry. And, you know, you can speak into, you can speak life over people and women and offer a different dialogue in this industry. Um, and let people know that they're loved and seen and valued and cared for. And, um, you can bring a different atmosphere when you go into a room. And so that's like, that's sort of how the photography piece started and the runway. And then a few years after that, the, the blog kind of similar, similar vision of what does it look like to offer a different dialogue in a, in a culture, in an industry that says I matter because of what I do, my status, the power I do or do not have, the people I do or do not know, what size I am or am not, how many wrinkles I have on my forehead. What does it look like to go to the core of that industry and say, actually, you know what? I matter from the inside out. I am a Mago Day made in the image of God. And because of that, I am secure and confident and grounded. And so that's, that's, I feel like, um, kind of what God put on my heart through, through all of it. Well, I, I love that she said that to you because I think that it's evident even in your like industry that you're in, but all of us, like all of us, if you call yourself a a Christ follower, like you have something in you that's different and you have something to offer the world. Uh, and you don't have to be Beth Moore to do that, that you can do it in your industry, you know, just Mm -hmm. finding out what is your name and meeting someone and being kind. It goes a long way. Kat, you know, what is really funny and Mm -hmm. If my husband were here, he would be giggling right now because you said you went to DBU. Uh huh. I went. I went to DBU as well. What? But I never tell anybody because. Oh my gosh! When I I went to DBU, (laughs) I was like a different person. Like, for example, Mm. if you happen to get my book and read it, you will see the person I was at DBU. Mm. Although I don't say in there that's the university, but that's where I was because I was just like, oh, I was crazy and wild and crazy and wild. What years were you there? Just tell me this. We weren't there at the same time. I'm older than you. There, I was there. Oh my gosh. Uh, oh, the spring. Okay. Of if it starts with 05. an O, I'm, yes, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm 10 years older than you. I was uh, just there for two years. Okay. Um, I was there for two years as well. Okay. Okay. Um, Go Patriots. And so you said you were wild as in like, party or party animal, all, mm-hmm. all the things. Yep. Yeah. Party animal. Um, well, they really didn't know what to do with me either. Cause I, I mean, I was a Bible major and everyone would be like, so why are you a Bible major? You're a woman. So you can't really do anything in the church. And I was like, oh, oh gracious. You're like, just uh, let me study the Bible and you'll see what I can I do. Like, okay. Okay. So, I mean, I was front row center, every single class, raising my hand, ruffling feathers. Uh I don't understand this. What about this? What about this? And I just remember all these guys in my class being like, you poor thing, you know, you'll never really be able to use your, your major because you're a woman. Just, I've got like the hair standing (laughs) up on my body right now. I know, I know. But you know, the funny thing is, you know, like God is, his plans for our life are bigger and more Mm -hmm. imaginative and creative than we could ever even think for ourselves. I remember, you know, even just 
uh, five, six years ago being a photographer and being like, why in the world was I a Bible major if God just wanted me back in this Mm -hmm. industry? And I see his purpose in that because I got this season of time. It was this incubator of time, even though I resisted a lot of it. But, you know, I was able to spend time going through really deep and hard questions like, what does it mean that there is evil in the world and there is a good God? Like, how do we reconcile that? So there's definitely been moments where that, like my education has been um, more like a a foundation in a a landing pad Mm -hmm. for me as I've kind of driven around in the airplane and been like, I don't really know what I feel about these things. Like I'm confused. I'm struggling in my faith, but really to be like, okay, I do have this foundation. Um, Here's what I know to be true. Yeah. 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 I always say that. It's it's what I've, I said it today on another interview. Like it's that foundation that you build that will be there in the middle of the storms, in the middle of the questions, in the middle of the things that foundation is there. Um, Okay. So I, I'm so impressed with people who we can have conversations about work and life balance. And Mm. it's such a, it's such a myth. You know, we talk about on the show a lot that there is this myth that we can do it all. And you even mentioned it earlier. And there's there, you know, there's a myth of, you know, you can be the, the best mom doing everything and the best worker doing everything. Like some things you have to say no to, you kind of had to find out the hard way about this work-life balance a couple of years ago. What happened in your life? Yeah. Um, well, I think I was in a place for, I would say the entire decade of my twenties where I just was willing to do anything and everything for my career. Mm. And I've always been a hustler. I was an athlete in high school and college and just always very driven. And so, I mean, I would find myself working like 80 hour work weeks and being like, it's okay. Like, I just like, if I just get here and then I can do this and I want to get like this many followers. I want to have my business at this level so that I can do this. And then I think moving to New York even, um, exasperated that even more. Mm -hmm. Um, just the pace of life I was running on was, was just really intense. And, um, a couple years ago, well, I think, but back up before I say that, my, I feel like we have the theology that we have in our head that we say, oh, I believe like God is good and God is in control and I can trust him. And, but we, then we have our functional theology. This is how I actually live out my everyday life. And I really think functionally the way I was living through most of my twenties that like is that I'm the captain of my own ship. Yeah, You if were in control of be, everything. Right. If mm-hmm. it's meant to be, it's up to me. And I think even as a small business owner, it really did, did and does feel like that sometime. Like if I ain't working, I ain't working. And that's hard. Right. That there's this hard balance. Yeah. And so it was getting the best of you. Uh Uh-huh. Right. And so I think actually, if, if that is true, if it is true that I am captain of my own ship and I am responsible for myself and everyone else in my life, then if things go wrong, that is that's mm-hmm. scary. And that's a really traumatic place to be. And I, what felt like seemingly out of nowhere, I started having these really debilitating anxiety attacks and I didn't know what was happening. I thought I was dying and having, I thought I was having like a heart attack. I was blocking out, vomiting, and I would be on set at a shoot. Oh gosh. <laughs> and I would, I mean, thankfully I have an incredible team and I would like dismiss myself quietly. But I, I remember being at a shoot and 
laying in the bathroom stall on the ground, on the tile floor, just sobbing <sighs> and trying to get myself together enough just to go back and finish. Um, cause I was like, I don't, I don't know what's happening to me. Like, mm-hmm. I think I'm really losing it. Yeah. <laughs> and which if anyone's ever had an anxiety attack, which I have that you, you really mm-hmm. feel as though you are completely out of control and you don't know what's happening. Right. Yeah. Right. And well, the interesting thing is I remember like I've had people in my family struggle with anxiety and I've heard women talk about it at conferences and I just really didn't have any compassion for it. I was like, why don't you like take a nap and calm down? <laughs> Like, right. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, like stop being so stressed out. Um, but that kind of was what I call like the beginning of my unraveling mm. of God really stopping me in my tracks and getting my attention. Like something was not working, like something was not working in my life. And once the anxiety attack started happening, I went to some really amazing doctors and have a really incredible community that really helped me move through this and just realized like I was having autoimmune disorders. I was becoming allergic to food. Essentially cortisol had been pumping through my body for so long that my body was like in self-sabotage mode. Mm. And so, um, I really, it was like a time where I had to stop and just ask myself, like, what is the life I want to have? And what, what does living a, a life that is sustainable, that's setting me up for the next 50 years look like? And so, um, first of all, the big thing for me was identifying the fear and unbelief and lies that I was believing in my life and repenting of that and replacing it with truth. Like a lie I was believing to my core was it's everything is up to me all the weight of the world and my career Mm -hmm. and my future is on my shoulder so then if I'm on set and something goes wrong and I'm the I'm the captain of the ship then that sends a signal to my brain that's like warning warning this is bad fight or flight yeah Mm -hmm. fight or flight yeah the cortisol pumps through um so I mean it was really back to the basics for me to really begin to take my thoughts captive and be like, okay, this, that's actually not true. What's true is that God is sovereign. God is in control. I am safe. I am safe with him. I don't, I can let go and trust and surrender to him. And even if the worst case scenario unfolds and happens, I'm okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be okay because God loves me. He sees me and, and it's going to be good. So tell me this, Kat, though, as I'm listening, I'm like, okay, yes, I agree. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. In a practical way, when you right. are working 80 hours a week and busting your right. tail and building a business and doing all these things, whether even someone's listening is like, I don't do that, but I bust my tail with seven kids and you know all these right. things. Right. Practically telling those things to us so that we can believe them. Yes. How did you practically play that out in your world every day? Yeah. So I I mean, honestly, that was a big practical step for me is like when anxiety symptoms would start coming up Mm -hmm. of being like, okay, what do I feel? Cause at first I would just get overwhelmed with like, my palms are sweating. Oh, like I feel like my heart rate is kind of scary. Oh my gosh. Like panic. Yeah. Whereas like, okay, what am I afraid of right now? Mm. Like that's what am I afraid of right now? What am I, what, what lie am I believing? So you change the narrative a little bit. Right. Right. So really calling that and being like, okay. And then reaching out and asking for support. Like I had a handful of people that if anything started happening, they knew without, without asking if I text them or call and be like, Hey, I need you to pray for me right now. 
they would. Mm-hmm. So there was that, but then kind of the, the, also the day-to-day practical things was I decided, you know what, I may live in a culture where 80 hours a week is glorified, but I'm working 40. And, um, so I started a process of, of really making disciplined choices in my life of I'm working 40 hours a week. So I need to be more organized in my day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. That means if I'm shooting for 12 hours on a Saturday, I'm taking Friday off. Mm -hmm. Um, I went back to the basics of, all right, I'm going to get eight hours of sleep tonight. And some people are in different seasons of life and can't get that many hours. But there's like our basic, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like we need to know that we have shelter over our head. We need to have food, oxygen, Mm -hmm. all these basic needs. So it was sleep. It was, all right, I'm going to make sure I have three meals and snacks today because (laughs) by the way, I have like low blood sugar Mm -hmm. and low blood pressure and a really low resting heart rate. So if I go a long time without eating, then my body does kind of go into this shock mode. So mm-hmm. really setting myself up for success. Which even uh, those practical steps, are you changing the narrative of I'm not in control? And I believe that right. that God is in control, even if I only work 40 hours a week. Right, right. Instead right. of 80. And he, right. And he's the author of my career. And, and I think too, that's kind of going back to like, what, what is the lifestyle I want to have? And what, what's, what also is the story that I'm inviting other people into? Like I run this whole platform of you matter because of who you are, not mm-hmm. what you do. And then here I am like running around like a mad woman, like, ah, like ah, I have to do all these things. I have to let these women know that they matter. And wait, and then I need to do this. And then I need to do this. Like, whoa. Okay. Yeah. Like I can't change anyone. Mm-hmm. That is up that is up to God and God alone. Totally. Um, And if I'm not living my message first, if I don't believe that I am loved and seen and worthy, then I can't, I can't share that message with others. Mm -hmm. So it it starts with me. So I even think, you know, to the woman who's like wrangling, you know, all these small children who she's like, probably listen to my story. Well, it it might be nice to have eight hours (laughs) of sleep every once in a (laughs) while. But I think even just stuff, like one of the things that I just made things that were non-negotiable and like, I can't compare myself to another woman on her journey or another Mm -hmm. person on their journey, but a little, something little of my day starts with me being in the word Mm -hmm. and me having time with Jesus. Well, for maybe the mom who has six kids or the person who works in finance that has to be at work at 5am and our quote unquote quiet time doesn't work for them. Right. But what if we start with, what if you grab a cup of coffee and sit down and have five minutes of silence, mm-hmm. maybe read one verse like that matters. That really matters. Yeah. I love um, how you said about not comparing yourself to the other people's journeys. Cause I think that that can be one of the biggest lies that we tell ourselves too. And we're mm-hmm. talking about changing the narrative and believing what is right. true and your journey through what you've been through looks different. And so we can't compare ourselves to that. Another thing that you Absolutely. mentioned to me was the sustainable transformation, mm-hmm. which I think is just brilliant, especially this time of year, you know, we're like a month into mm-hmm. the new year and, right. uh, just, trying to figure out what is my life going to look like these days. And a lot of times we're like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then you fail and you're think, well, Mm -hmm. I'm never going to try again. When you talk Mm -hmm. about sustainable transformation, and I know you've been talking about it kind of in a roundabout way already. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by that? Yeah. Um, What I mean by that is, you know, I, we, well, first of all, I think we're, we're a culture of extremists Mm -hmm. and it's like, well, 
I'm only going to go, I'm going to only go to the gym if I can work out for two hours at 5 a.m. before I go into work, or I'm going to do whole 30 for a whole month. And then the day it ends, go back to eating crazy. Um, or I'm only going to spend time with, with God if it looks like this extended period of time. I think I started seeing in my own life, especially through my um, healing journey out of participating with fear and anxiety, um, is that God is a God of process. And I will pray every day for those instantaneous moments of healing and transformation. But for whatever reason, my life experience has been, and I really feel like this is out of God's kindness, that he has led me through a process. Mm. And so when I say like, when I say that I want to create space for others and myself to have actual sustainable transformation, I would say, okay, what's the big goal you want? And I, just to name one off the top of my head is, well, I want to run a marathon. Okay. Well, have you ever run before? No, I haven't really ever run before. Okay. So let's like, you're not going to be able to run a marathon next month. And that's doesn't mean you're a failure. Right. So maybe let's start instead. If you're not working out at all, let's try like three times a week going on a 15 minute walk. Well, let's try that for a little bit. Okay. Then let's try, you know, maybe four times a week for 30 minutes. Um, being more like, let's be in it for the long term. I think we're like, well, I want to, uh, I want to read the Bible in two months. And then you're three weeks in and you're like, I cannot keep up this pace. Right. Um, and I think we, we do that. We're like, well, I, I, I want to see this massive change in my life, but we're not willing for time to move on. And I mean, I just even, I see that all throughout, all throughout, you know, scripture is God has huge plans for different characters in the Bible. And like, for instance, Hannah in the old Testament for years and years and years, she's begging God for a child. And Mm -hmm. she's like, I just want one child, just give the Mm -hmm. thing to me. And she's persistent and persistent and persistent. And it seems like God is not active and everyone else thinks she's crazy. And her husband has the right to throw her on the street because she's not leaving him a namesake. The priest in the church thinks she's coming to the temple drunk, but she's like, no, I just want one kid. I just want one kid. Right. Well, it, I love what scripture says. It says like something like in, in, in his time and in, in God's time, Hannah bore a son. And then if we read further into, and then that son ends up being in the lineage of Christ. Um, she ends her life with five children. And I, I see that and I'm just like, man, I pray for something. And then five hours later, I'm like, well, I guess, (laughs) you know, it's not up to me. And, or it's, it's God's not answering. He's being silent and quiet. And I just think, you know, God's timing is different than ours. And I think we give up so quickly. And when I say we, I also say me, like Mm -hmm. I give up so quickly. So I, I even, I think creating that sustainable change in our lives, like I think we can pray and be faithful and ask God for miracles and believe and have hope because God says like hope does not put us to shame, but we also have responsibility in our own lives to take ownership of like, okay, if I want to, if I want to, if I'm always late 
to things, then I want to change. I want to, I want to change that and be a, a woman of my word and show up not only on time, but five minutes early. Well, that's If you've been living one way for 20, 30 years of your life, and then all of a sudden you're like, from now on, no more struggle. I just don't think that, I feel like we are constantly like two steps forward, two steps back. Yeah. You're setting ourselves up for failure. Right. And to be, to give ourselves permission to be in process and then to give the other people in our lives also permission to be in their own journey because because we're we're all different human beings on on the on different paths mm. and yeah i feel oh, like I i'm love, starting to babble now <laughs> no i love that about give each other permission to be on their own process i was even thinking about that with parenting of like mm. my kids are on a process i don't expect them to be 12 year old humans to what they might be when they're 25 right um, and so giving them that process as well right right you guys are enjoying this episode of the refined collective podcast this week's episode is brought to you by jamie ivy from the happy hour now i have to tell you a few things about jamie ivy she is actually one of the reasons why i started my podcast so there were a few women that encouraged me over the last year to really step out in faith and put my voice out there on the internet on iTunes as a podcaster. Jamie Ivey was one of those people and she has believed in me and fought for me and been such a source of encouragement. So I am so excited that her podcast, The Happy Hour, is sponsoring this episode of their Friend Collective podcast. So where can you find her? Well, I'm glad you asked. You can find her at jamieivy.com. That's J-A-M-I-E. I-V-E-Y.com. You can find her in iTunes. You can search The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy. And you guys, she just interviewed Christine Kane, who is one of my heroes. So you have to check out that episode. And lastly, on Instagram, you can find her at, at Jamie Ivy. So give her some love and tell her how much you are grateful for her as I am grateful for her. And back to the episode, guys. I hope y'all are enjoying. Okay, so you were talking about Hannah and praying and Mm -hmm. begging God for something. And I know that you mentioned to me that there's something personal in your own life that Mm. you have been begging God and God, Mm. I really want this. Where are you? And you're not married and you desire to be married. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about that struggle right now in your life. Oh gosh, we're going there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Let's do it. We're diving in. Um, yeah, I mean, here's the thing is I, ever since I was a little girl, I always wanted to be a mom. Mm-hmm. I was like, I want to be a wife. I want to be a mom. And that's just, I never had career aspirations or career goals. And so sometimes I'll have these moments as I'm like walking the streets in New York City and I'm like, what in the world am I doing here? This is not the life that I expected or and or anticipated for myself. Um, I thought I would go to, you know, DBU, get my Find MRS you a husband. Degree. That's right. Yes, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I can look back now and, oh my gosh, if I would have gotten married when I was 21 years old, I would have married a narcissistic, right, 
person that I was trying to work out all of my daddy issues with. And I can say, God, praise God that he did not give me what I wanted when I wanted it. Um, Because he has had a massive process of healing for me of just really kind of dealing through a lot of stuff in my past. Um, But yeah, I mean, now I'm I'm 32 years old, um, single, and I'm, I'm a virgin. I am waiting until marriage to have sex, which in New York is like, <laughs> you're like a I unicorn. Mean, oh my gosh. I like go on even it's very uncommon, even within the church here mm-hmm. to, to be waiting. Yeah. And so, I mean, I got, get on date two with someone and they're like, you're doing what? <laughs> and then <laughs> a like, lot of times, hey. is it over? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. And, um, but here's the thing that I know is, I have finally got to a place where I know that I know that I know that I know that I would rather be single than be with um, a man that's not a good fit for me, a man that doesn't love Jesus. I know that if God has a man for me, it's a man that loves, loves him deeply, has a, has a tender heart for the Lord, has integrity and vision for his life and supports the vision that God has for my life. Mm. Um, So when I'm in a good place, I'm like, yeah, like I'm fine. I know that I, I would rather this than that. But then there's totally, I mean, I feel like I, I ended 2017 just processing through disappointment and hurt with God. I was like, God, I really, I really went into 2017 thinking that I heard pretty clearly from God that like now is the time mm-hmm. that he was like, he, I feel like he said, now is the time. It's time for the harvest. Like you've been faithful. Now it's time for a new season and a season of marriage. And so I'm like, okay, so that means now that means today. And I, it's not that I don't think God didn't say that to me. I really do think he, he put that on my heart, but it just didn't turn out the way I thought. Mm -hmm. So I ended 2017 single with like, girl, I feel like I could have a documentary on my dating (laughs) life this last year in New York city. I mean, the stories I just being, being stood up, being ghosted, going on really amazing dates and then just feeling like God said, no, 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 no. Mm. And I just, am like, God, thank you. Like my girlfriends and I say, um, rejection is protection. Mm. And I'm like, that's true because there are times where I would not have had the courage to walk away from a relationship with a man. And then God changes their heart for me. And then I'm like, okay, I see 2020 hindsight. That was not the person you had for me, Uh but I'm like, God, I'm just ready for a freaking yes. Right. I don't want 10 yeses. I don't need a hundred yeses. I just want one. I want one. Um, You know, Kat, it's interesting because I, um, when you mentioned to me that you were a virgin and it was none of my business, but you just told me, I do think, and I would love to hear your thoughts on Mm. this because I think this is something that a lot of young people feel as though isn't that big of a deal and they love Mm -hmm. God and they want to pursue Jesus with their whole heart and they want to marry a godly, a godly man. But this is one area of their life that they're willing to let go. Do you, am I right about this? And I know I'm like, you know, married for 17 years. So I feel Mm -hmm. a little bit out of, you know, my league here with this conversation, but do you feel that I'm right about that? I do. I do think you're right about that. And I think the older we get, the more like, I didn't struggle not having sex with guys I was dating for the majority for all my teens and most of my twenties really until like my, I think I was like 20 or 29. And I dated this guy where I was like, Oh, heaven help me. Yep. I want to take off all my clothes. <laughs> right. Um, just because I think I, I, 
at the, as we get a little older, I think our, like we're in our, I'm in my sexual prime right mm-hmm. now. So I'm like, I want to, I'm on, on date two. And I'm like, I want to go back to my bedroom yeah. and like make out with you in my bed. Uh-huh. Um, whereas like, I think when I was younger, I just, I, I didn't have as much of that desire. And so I actually, I I've written about this on my blog. It's a series called sexless in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, but I talk about my process of moving to New York and falling in love with a guy and, um, getting to a point where I was really like, does God really want me to wait? Right. Should I wait? Or is this just some antiquated thing? Cause I'm from Texas and I went to a thing at my youth group when I was 17. <laughs> and I signed tree love weights. <laughs> right. Right. And so I, I mean, I spent the better part of an entire year literally looking up every single verse in the Bible that talked about sex. And just in case anyone wants to know, it actually does say very many times Mm -hmm. to um, abstain from uh, sex until marriage. Um, But I think also what I realized, and this is the thing is, I think we stop at the rule Mm. and we're like, well, okay. Like God says not to have sex. Okay. Whatever. But I think for me, I, I, that wasn't compelling enough for me to a, to an extent. I was like, I, I want it. Mm-hmm. And so I had to like really step back and see, kind of look through my dating history and see like, wow. Um, when I, when I am, when I add the physical element of a relationship into dating prematurely, it clouds my vision. Mm. And I can't tell you how many guys I dated way longer than I needed to be dating because we had good physical chemistry Right. and realizing like, man, if we had never gone there physically, I probably would have gone on one, two dates max and been like, yeah, we have nothing in common or we have very different callings on our life. So it would have, cut things out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I think another thing is, oh, there's two other things I have to say is the, the, the building of integrity through delayed gratification. Mm-hmm. So we are a culture that says like, I want what I want when I want. And we, like, I live in New York city where I can order any sort of takeout at any time of the day, 24 hours a day. Which sounds so marvelous like, to me. It's amazing. <laughs> but then you're also like this entitled brat. Of, right. <laughs> I want Indian food at 3am and you guys better serve me. Um, <laughs> but just that idea of like, when I tell myself no to something that may feel good in the moment, because like sex and physical intimacy, like that was designed for goodness. Like God created the male and female body and said, it is good. Mm -hmm. All of it is good. So that means all the things, all the body parts are good. Um, but when I say no to something good, because I am believing in something that could possibly be greater, like that is, that is strengthening a muscle in me that goes well beyond romantic relationships and sex. Um, and I think in addition to that, um, we create patterns in our lives that don't just magically change when I have a diamond ring on my finger. Mm-hmm. So if I am being promiscuous sexually with guys as, when I'm dating, or maybe I'm not, maybe it's just like I am doing that with, I'm in, I'll be in committed relationships and going there physically. Mm-hmm. Our patterns of behavior don't just magically like change overnight. Like we have to set ourselves up for that. So if I'm like dating around like crazy, messing around like crazy, sleeping around, then 
I bring that into my marriage. And so I have to think about what is the future I want? What is the type of marriage I want? What is the type of man I am looking for? So, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to say no to these things now to strengthen a muscle of saying no, when maybe I'm 10 years into marriage and me and my husband don't really have a great sex life anymore because we're tired and there's kids running around. But then I go on this business trip and this guy is really good looking and we have fun and we connect like, I think that is where those muscles of integrity really get opportunity to work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, and I feel like the third thing, sorry, I'm, I, I, no, you you have, have, I you love have it. Soapboxes and I'm like, <laughs> well, I clearly live on a soapbox. Um, I think the last thing is, as um, like Genesis one says that God makes man and woman. He says, let us make man and woman in our image and our likeness. And the Latin phrase for that is Imago Dei. And so like man and woman, like who Catherine Harris is like, I matter and I am really valuable. And there's a sacredness to my body. And as, as there is to every human being. And so there is a high, there should be a high price for, for intimacy mm-hmm. because there, I, there is a Mago day pulsing all through me. And I love the, the continuation of the Genesis one story when, um, God creates Adam and Eve and God lets Adam do all of these other things. Like he gives Adam a career. He gives Adam purpose, like name all the animals, do all these things. And Adam is doing them. But he also knows something is missing. And then he puts Adam to sleep and begins fashioning woman. And I just get this picture of like, him like buffing her skin and she's like shiny and bright and glowing. And this epic moment of bringing Adam and Eve together and Adam's only response to her was to like burst into poem and song and say like you at last, like bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And then the verses following that talk about like, you know, then a man shall leave his parents and be united with his wife. And I, those verses really stuck out to me. I was like, what does that mean? Like, what is the cultural significance of like the whole leave and cleave thing? Well, in Jewish or Hebrew culture, sorry, in Hebrew culture, a man left home once in his life Mm -hmm. and he left home when he was getting married. And so he was making, he was making a public declaration that, Hey, I just want my family to know. I want the community to know, I want the world around me to know that I am so serious about this woman right here that I will publicly leave home, perhaps change careers, leave the family business, build a home for her so that you guys all know, like, I am serious about this person. That's how much I respect her. That's how much dignity I have for her. And that's what she's worth. So he goes to great lengths to honor this woman. And then they get married and have sex. Mm. And I just, I remember reading that after going through like a really, that really hard breakup I was telling you about mm-hmm. where I was like holding on to my V card with a very thin <laughs> Right. And I was like, that's the type of love I want. Mm. I want I want a man who is public about his feelings for me, a man who is willing to do something that might feel inconvenient, that is willing to step out and say, you know what, everyone, I, I, 
want to pursue this woman so boldly and so fast and so intentionally that I'm willing to make real shifts and change in Mm. my life. I might even leave home and change my career so that I can build a life with this woman. And I think we have like online dating culture that's like swipe left, swipe left, swipe right, whatever it is. And we go on dates and people have one night stands and I'm like, that's not what we really want. Mm -mm. Like that's, it's degrading to the amount of day in us. And I mean, I just know, I just know it. people aren't getting the results that they want. Okay, here's what I love about you right now. Number one is um, I am always telling girls who are dating guys that if it, that you want him to want you, obviously we want to be wanted, right? But right. you want him to control himself so that when you are married for 10 years right. and things aren't the same. So I love that you said that because that is something that I'm like, yes, because marriage in 10, 15, 20 years, it doesn't feel the same as that first year, you know, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you have kids and careers and life and bills and la la la. Mm-hmm. Also right now, Kat, you are giving so many single women who are listening, like so much encouragement and just a reminder mm. of like, this is a, this is possible and B we are holding out for the greater, like the greater is what is there. Um, And Mm -hmm. thirdly, there are women right now texting their brothers or their sons or or their coworkers. They're like, I found a wonderful woman for you. Uh (laughs) Oh my gosh, that would be amazing. How, I will do a follow-up interview um, when we're planning for my wedding because I, I met my husband through being on your podcast. Oh my gosh, I would have to like broadcast live from the wedding. I mean, this is just oh what gosh, would have to happen. So if anyone wants to connect someone that they love that is going to be a man that declares their love for Kat and yes. loves her and waits for her and loves Jesus, this is your time. Your time. Oh man, I it it is um it is so so wonderful um to have this conversation and to hear you talk about this and I get a lot of requests for people to saying, hey, can you have more single girls on the show? And so it's not that I I don't go out and look for people who are single or married. It's just how the cards fall. And so I know that there are women who are just cheering, thinking that you're on uh-huh. um, today. So it's been so so fabulous. Oh, um, okay, Kat, I end every interview asking these two things: What are you reading, okay. and what three things are you loving? Oh my gosh. Um, I knew you are going to ask these questions. So I was like journaling about it yesterday. And oh, I cannot okay. wait. Okay. Three things that I'm loving right now. Okay. Justin Baldoni's Ted talk. Have you heard of it? Have no. you listened to it? Tell me more. Okay. Justin Baldoni plays Raphael on the TV show, Jane the Virgin. Which is that and, a good show? I've never seen it. Um, okay. I totally got addicted to it a couple years ago. It's funny. It's like preposterous. Like silly. Okay. So yeah, I like it. But essentially this guy, the lead actor, he plays and has been sort of typecasted the majority of his career to be this playboy kind of womanizer. But in his personal life, he's committed to his wife. He has two children and really believes in this huge message of reclaiming masculinity Mm. and kind of tearing down this cultural expectation on men to be machismo or bros and really owning vulnerability, respecting women. And um, so recently he did a TED talk all about this. And I just, I've listened to it so many times. I've like, I'm think I've told everybody in my life, I'm like, you have to listen to this. But the thing is, is that there's, we're in such a time right now in our society where, you know, there's stuff like the Me Too movement Mm -hmm. happening. We have, you know, the gender gap, inequality, all this, all these things are kind of hot topic 
buttons right now. Mm -hmm. And it's important that as women, we speak up about that, but it's also so important that men have a voice to speak into healing and redemption in this area of our lives too. Um, and for a, ma- a strong man to say, hey, men, it is time to rise mm-hmm. up and be a real man. To be a man does not mean I never cry or I'm not vulnerable, make fun of other people. But to be a man is to hold space and honor the women in my life. It means to be vulnerable with other men with what I'm struggling with. And that is what just that is like Justin Baldani's like what he feels like is his calling. So mm, I love yeah. that. It's awesome. I'll, I'll send you the link. To I would love it. to um, see it and we'll link it yeah. as well. Okay. That Ted talk, what else are you loving? Okay. <laughs> the other two are smaller, but I got super into boxing this year. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. So there's this thing called rumble boxing in, in New York city. But let me just be real honest. The only reason I ever found out about this boxing studio is because Justin Bieber posted it on his Instagram. <laughs> Which I love I following Justin Bieber on Instagram, by the way. <laughs> Justin, love you, prank for you. Yes. Uh, I just love Justin. So I went to this boxing studio and I was like, oh, seriously, the lights are off for 45 minutes and you're punching this bag and like scream. Well, I'm screaming. I'm like, ah. <laughs> Is anyone else screaming or just you? I don't know. Probably just me. (laughs) I love that. Uh, I have a visual. Keep going. Yeah. (laughs) And they're playing like 90s R&B and hip hop. And just feel like, I don't know. I just feel like kind of like a little. Yeah. I was going to say something else, but yes. Yeah. So I was like, I'm, I feel like I've, I've done yoga for so many years and boxing for me was kind of this re-entry to like, all right, like, I can do this and I'm strong and I can kick your butt. And yes. So that. Okay. Boxing. <laughs> what else? Third thing um, is plants. I, I mean, I'm sitting in my bedroom right now and I have three plants in my room. Oh no, four or five. Oh my gosh. I'm a plant lady. <laughs> um, but I read this uh, quote recently that said like the plant lady is the new cat lady. And yes. I was like, in Jesus name, I I'll take that. it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't um, want to be the cat lady, but a plant lady is good. Cat. Yeah. So I just, I mean, girl, I could not keep a succulent alive for the life of me. And then a couple years ago, I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy a plant and I'm not going to kill it and I'm going to love on it. And then just like slowly over time, like I started, I bought this ivy and I just bought this fern. I actually, it's funny. I bought it on a date with this guy that I'm not dating anymore. And then it's my like love fern died. <laughs> you let us die. I love that movie. It died, but then I'm like resuscitating it. And so it's like my thing. So okay, plants are like. Yeah, I love how you started the one. It's your whole little, uh, you know, sustainable transformation there. And yeah. now you have all these plants. You know, plants yeah. are really good for you. Are. Yes. So I like that. <laughs> It's a de-stressor. It, you know, brings more good air into the room. Yeah, totally good for you. Okay, what are you reading? (laughs) Books I'm reading. Okay, so hopefully you're not judging me when I tell you the books I'm reading. No, no Um, judgment. I love escapism. I feel like, you know what? Sometimes I just want (laughs) to... I go through phases of like reading like super intense leadership and theology books. And, but now I'm in a place where I'm just wanting to read really light. Uh-huh. So I'm currently rereading Mindy Kaling's, um, oh, so good. why is everyone hanging out yes. with me? Um, it is seriously, I was reading it on the subway yesterday and it's like a packed subway and I was just cackling yes. out loud. Um, I love it. Um, and then 
I love children's books. Oh, <laughs> and one of my favorite, my I'm reading two books by this author right now, Madeline Ingle. Mm-hmm. Do you know her? Is, is that A Wrinkle in Time? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, I've yeah, read A Wrinkle in Time. That's all I've read of hers. Oh my goodness. Okay. You have to read her other stuff. So I didn't, so I'm rereading A Wind in the Door, which is a sequel to A Wrinkle in Time. Okay. And it was my, that series was my favorite series when I was in elementary school. And then I reread them a couple years ago with um, my baby sister when she was like my, like in elementary school as well. Mm-hmm. And I realized, oh my gosh, this woman is a Christian. Oh, <laughs> like these books are laced with scripture and biblical truth. And I think that is one thing I love so much about like children's books mm-hmm. and fiction is there can be this, these like really beautiful and compelling truths in them. Totally. Um, so wind in the door and then Madeline Ingle she's not just a children's writer. She, um, does like creative nonfiction and memoir. And so later on in her life, she wrote a series of memoirs about being a grandma and her spiritual journey. And, um, I'm re rereading for like the third time, the first book in that series called a circle of quiet. Okay. And, the amazing thing about what, what I love about Madeline Ingle is she, I feel like reading her, reading this book for the first time, I was like, I feel like there's someone out there that is like me. Like mm. she really, really loves God and is like faithful to her family, but she like, doesn't really fit in this or she didn't fit in this like mold of like, like, Christian woman. Right. Um, but she was really unafraid to be herself and she persevered through a lot in her life. And, um, so I just, I love, like, I love the way she processes life. I love that. Um, I didn't know that about her. Um, and my only reference to her is a wrinkle in time, um, that I read last year and you know, the movie's coming out. I know. I'm so excited about it. My kids are excited as well. And of course, I always am like, you have to read the book first. Right. Um, Yeah. And then I cave because I'm like, oh, the movie looks so good. Well, Kat, thank you so very much for chatting with me today. I'm telling you, we have covered, you know, the online world, anxiety, um, Mm. telling yourself truths to, you know, transforming and saving yourself for marriage. And it's just been a wonderful conversation. So thank you so very much. Oh, I'm so grateful. Thanks for listening to all my my rambles and rants and your the, rambles and rants matter. <laughs> and well, thank you. You I'm matter and so does that Bible degree. So yes ma'am. Yes ma'am. <laughs> thank I you so much. It. Thank you. I'm Kat Harris and you've been listening to the Refined Collective podcast. You can follow our journey on Instagram at The Refined Woman, our website, therefinedwoman.com for show notes, other features and interviews, and a deeper look into our tribe. Find us on iTunes, The Refined Collective. Subscribe, rate, review, and leave us some love. Join me next time. And thank you so much for listening. And one last thing, in case you ever forget, you are not alone. Your story matters and you belong here. 